Coming up in this episode of Finding Common Ground. So what? Men don't cry. Crazy. Men don't cry. That's that's crazy. You know, and that to your is. point, that's not the reality. The good thing, though, the facts that you were sharing. And these kids that were hired on with me at 17 years old were dead by the time they were 30. I've had kids that announced they were gay and hadn't told their parents yet on it. And uh, I've married a couple of them, probably five of them. Okay. It's kind of like a Boy Scout patrol with a religious twist to it. There are two sides to every coin. How do we deal with racial issues when they affect relationships? Finding common ground on all those issues that we come against. There's black and there's white. And I think as Christians, we have to learn how to get together because we're not in heaven. I've met more interesting people just by God just bringing them in. Republicans and Democrats. But a lot of times when it comes to race and it comes to culture and it comes to perception, even as Christians, we don't always understand. We look at it through our lenses. There's Bill. I grew up in a suburb of Cleveland called Parma. Uh, Any black people in Parma? There was not one. Not one black person, Bill? Not one. Come on, Bill, you got to have one, a token black person, a token. And there's Odell. I grew up in Charleston, South Carolina, public housing, single mom, divorced single mom with four kids, and I came up through segregation and all that kind of stuff. If a black person drove through the town, the police would stop and escort them out. Bill and Odell are finding common ground. A part of what we have to do is listen to each other, find the common ground, and question, not questioning you like you're on a witness stand, but questioning you for a better understanding. Dear Heavenly Father, just uh, thank you for today. Thank you for our guest. Thank you for my buddy Odell. Watch over us as we travel. I'm getting ready to travel to Atlanta, driving back and forth this week and uh, give me safe travels as I go down to one of my last Boy Scout meetings, which I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of old friends. Lord, thank you for the privilege of working with the Boy Scouts for 16 years. And thank you for opening up new doors. Amen. Father God, we just say thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for the youth who are the leaders of tomorrow, God. God, thank you for those who will plant trees and know that they won't benefit from the shades, but so many have built bridges for us, God, that we had to get across. So God, thank you for trusting us with the future. Thank you for trusting us with those that sometimes other people don't even want to deal with, God. God, when you start taking about aces and resilience and all the things associated with When things don't go quite right, a lot of times leaders just want to deal with things when they go right, but we know better than that. That's not life. So God, we thank you and we praise you that as we continue to put our hands to work, God, that you will bless the work of our hands. In Jesus' name, we pray and believe. Amen. 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 Liddell, how are you doing? Doing good, Bill. You know, it's interesting. A lot of times when we think about the youth, we ask the question, are we there yet? I remember as a young kid, I would be in the backseat of my grandfather's Chrysler and we'd be going to Abbeville, South Carolina to see his mother and his great grandmother, excuse me, his mother and his grandmother, who is my great, great grandmother. I would always ask the question, are we there yet? Are we there yet? So, Bill, my question with everything going on, with the culture wars, with everything going on now, with the youth, are we there yet, Bill? Are we getting any closer or the road seems so long 
And maybe it's a that's even a better question for our guest today. Are we there yet, Bill? I think it's a good question for our guest. Okay. Well, our guest today is who, Bill? Jim. Jim Algretto, Jim Odell Cleveland, the good-looking black guy. Black is back, baby. Black <laughs> is back. So welcome to the show. And Jim, you have done so many things, everything from being on the film crew of Dawson Creek, and a lot of people don't remember that TV show, but you do. You met Bill Goble February the 8th, 2014. How do you remember the date you met Bill? I remember when I first met Bill. Bill is that guy. Bill is that dude. Black people say dude. Bill is that dude that you remember when you meet Bill. You remember. So tell me about the first time you met my dude, Bill. Well, the good Lord has blessed me in knowing both of you for a very, very long period of time. And thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, Bill, thank you so much for keeping the main thing the main thing and thinking about our kids today. It's it's a big deal. And you know, Odeli, when you ask, are we there yet? We're not there yet. And we'll get into some of those details in just a little bit. You know, I, I met Bill Goebel, uh February 8th, 2014. I was at a Cub Scout Blue and Gold Banquet. What's a Blue and Gold Banquet? Great question. So anybody who's not involved in scouting, that's the uh, celebration, the birthday celebration of scouting. Mm. And so uh, the Cub Scouts every year will have a Blue and Gold Banquet. And Bill uh, came to visit our Blue and Gold Banquet in the Cub Scout pack that I was involved with at that time. And you know, we had the opportunity to, to break bread and he got to meet all the kids that we were serving in that community. I then ran into him on Mother's Day at a local grocery store in Greensboro, North Carolina. And I'm not I'm not from Greensboro, but uh, you know, I live in a community close by. And we happened to be in Greensboro shopping with the family. And so he was with his family and I was with my family. I was like, Hey, how's it going? We we met again, you know, just a you know, a few weeks later. Did he remember your name, Jim? Did he remember your name? You know, I don't know if he remembered my name. But, you know, <laughs> names aren't my strong suit. <laughs> That's why I'm thinking yeah, of it because I even, know that. I know that. Yeah, but it, I'm also I'm also you know, originally from New York, and so you know the names of you know, New Yorkers are you know, typically different than people that are born and raised in North Carolina. Yeah, I'm born and raised in the South. You're just saying, hey, y'all Southern names, y'all. Y'all Southern names a little more simple. Billy Bob, Billy Joe, Susie Q, and everything else versus New Yorker's name a little different, Bill. Yeah, you don't get a lot of Bubba's up in New York. Nah, nah, not Bubba's. But Bubba's are good people, though. Bubba's are good people. I know some black Bubba's and some white Bubba's. I know a bunch of Bubba's. So normally when I meet people for the second time, I'll you know, say, hey, you know, my name is uh, James Allegretto. And uh, do you remember me from such and such? So they don't have to remember my name. You know, uh, upon it's a good move. Upon meeting me for the second time, I wish everybody had name tags. That would help me out. <laughs> <laughs> so, what did you think of Bill? Because all of a sudden, it Bill Bill's like that sweet and sour candy. You know, either you like him or you don't. Because I remember when I first met him, it was like, okay, I like this dude. I like this guy, full of energy, trying to get some things done. Don't always have to have all the stars lined up. Don't have to be 100% sure. If it's close enough, Bill's going for it. And that's what I love about him. He's going for it. If it's close enough, you know, some people, they procrastinate and they don't do anything. Then other people, everything has to be so right. So they're kind of like risk avert. Like, they, I don't want to take a risk. I don't want to take a risk because I met people who they have on their belts or on their pants. They have on suspenders 
and they're still holding their pants. <laughs> it's like, come on, man, let's go. Everything's not always going to be laid out. So you met Bill. Everything went well. I think at the time you were a finishing contract. You were an entrepreneur, right? Yeah, I was. I worked in the construction industry for 16 years. We did painting and finishes. So, you know, we worked um, with you know, cookout restaurant, Domino's Pizza and Dunkin' Donuts. If you've been to any one of those establishments in North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, Tennessee. I've been to all of them. Yeah, well, cookout, Dunkin' Donuts, you name a restaurant and Odell's been there. So we've been part of the construction team for a long time with you know, helping to get those places built. So 16 years in the construction industry. You know, and and one of the things I would say about meeting Bill Goble, um, there's a few different types of people in the world. There's doers and there's people that just want to do their own thing, right? And Bill is definitely a doer. And sometimes that can upset people and they just want to do their own thing, right? Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> but there's, you know, there's the Marty Cotis is out there. There's you know, the John Gordons out there. There's the Andy Albrights out there. They're doers. You know, those people get things done. They're the ones that, you know, they put their name on the line. They get up in the morning. They put their pants on. They're running out the door to make sure something gets done. And not everybody's like that. So they don't want to hear your opinions because one of the things that I admired when I was talking to you, you said, Odell, listen, in a finishing contract world, people don't really want to hear your opinions. What does that mean? What does that mean? Nobody wants you to tell them what to do. And now that I'm in my 50s, it took me a long time to learn that. You want it to be a collaborative effort. They want to give you the plans to do something and they want you to be the person that gets it done. Right. They don't want you to tell you how their plan's wrong. You can collaborate with them. You can you know, give some suggestions and you can throw some ideas out there how you think they can get a better product. And it doesn't make a difference if we're talking about building a building or if we're talking about youth development. You know, wow. People, you know, wow. Wait a minute. They're, whoa, they're whoa, all, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's, 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 that's powerful because you're saying building buildings are building men and women. Absolutely. You know, I went from the construction industry, but what I do now in youth development is not a lot different from the construction industry. I mean, you start off with a really good foundation and you build it from there. A lot of the things that we do, when, we, when we're when we out there in the community, we're talking to people and we meet with a mental health organization, we meet with a, you know, a, a food pantry and we talk to those people about what do you do, right? Mm. It all comes down to the same thing. It's, you know, it's about building something up and good, positive customer service. It doesn't make a difference if you're you know, working in your church and you're meeting with people there. It's about building somebody up and good, positive customer service. Yeah, speaking of that, and I heard this rumor, and I might be wrong because, you know, you know, the good-looking Black guy may push a rumor every now and then, but something about Dawson Creek and a TV show and you were in college, but you decided that you're going to Hollywood. Well, help a brother out. Help a brother out. Help help Bubba out. Help Bubba out. I don't know if this is a story I want to get into, but, you know, I, I grew up on Long Island. I grew up in New York, Long Island. I was involved in the entertainment business at a very, very young age. And I was involved in scouting at a young age as well. And I, when I asked my dad, I said, how come I never made it to the, you know, the summit in scouting? I never earned my eagle. He said, you were involved in the entertainment business and that took priority to you. And now I've spent years working with not only my kids, but other people's kids wow. to kind of build them up to make it so they can get to the summit and earn their eagle. And I'm very blessed, you know, to be able to do that. At one point, you know, I was working at a, a local movie studio on Long Island and you know, one of the owners there ended up, you know, saying to me, I should go for my master's. You know, I already went for my associates and then I went to West Virginia University for my bachelor's. Mm -hmm. And then I was working at this 
It was just a part-time job. I was making eight bucks an hour doing scene painting at this movie studio. And one of the owners of the movie studio said, you know what? You should consider going for your master's. If you ever wanted to teach, you'd probably be a good person to impact mm. other people. And I was like, well, fantastic. Where do you think I should go? It's like, well, there's probably really three good options for you. Um, you can go to Yale, you know, which is a um, very hard school to get into. And I don't know right. if you'll get in. Right. Or you can go to University of Texas at Austin or North Carolina School of the Arts, both fantastic schools. And I applied for both of those schools. And you know, North Carolina School of the Arts gave me a fantastic scholarship. And that's what brought me to North Carolina. Okay. That's how I got here. So I was attending North Carolina School of the Arts, and I was, um, you know, looking for some some work there, and you know, I ended up getting a job doing some painting for a TV show called Dawson's Creek, which was filmed locally in Wilmington, and wow, you know, also they did some filming in Duke University. So wait, wait, that's a big deal, man. Dawson Creek was a big deal in its heyday. It was a big show. Yes, um, I was definitely a small fish in a bigger pond, and you know, we all make choices in life. Either you're going to be a small fish in a big pond, or you're going to be a big fish in a small pond. But we all have to make a choice on you know what we want to do. And I was, I was a small fish in a in a big pond, and I was like, you know, this is awesome. And you know, I was traveling back and forth from Winston Salem to Wilmington, and it got to be a lot. So I ended up saying, you know, I'm going to go for the gold and. You know, I did not continue with my education at North Carolina School of the Arts. Mm-hmm. The entertainment industry in North Carolina kind of, you know, shriveled up. It kind of died off. And it didn't give, you know, much room for the small fish to make it here. So I ended up getting involved in commercial painting because they were pretty long contracts. Right. I was already doing painting for the entertainment industry. And right. It's just different crew, different crew, different people. You know, and I ended up working in construction that way. You talk about big fish and small fish. Let, let's let's invite the big fish. Let's invite the big kahuna to the mic. Mr. Bill Gover himself, the big <laughs> kahuna. Bill, what did you think when you first met this fine young man? Uh, I thought he was a doer. I saw that uh, I was sitting in the back of the room. It's when I was council president. And uh, he'd come up every couple minutes and say, hey, we have a gift certificate for this sporting goods store or for this restaurant. And we have a raffle. And he'd raffle them up and say, Hey, that's a lot of stuff. So he must have gone out and hustled for that. I said, I got to talk to him more and see what what he wants to do long term. And uh, what he told me is uh, he'd love to get in scouting. And uh, we had an opportunity for development. And um, he came in and he raised a lot of not only money, but gifts in kind. Tremendous amount for the scouts. And uh, remember one time we needed gravel at our camps. All our camps need gravel. We probably could use a couple hundred truckloads. Wow. It's a lot. And so Jim got a hold of Mary Martin Marietta, right? And they said, you can have as much gravel as you want. You just got to come and get it. And so that was the issue. We had to find a trucking guy. And most truckers want to make money. <laughs> but it still was cheaper because we were getting the gravel for free. So it was pretty good. Well, Bill, you know, it's interesting that it Jim appears to be that kind of leader, to your point, a doer. A doer don't need somebody to tell them what to do and how to do it. It's just put the request out there. But sometimes doers get themselves in trouble, right? Because we are free-spirited leaders, and we're going to go do what we're going to do. And for some people, that's intimidating. Mm. It's true. It's true. You can get out ahead of your skis, they call it, where you're too far ahead of everybody. And and if you don't bring them along and have them understand what you're trying to do, you turn around and you look and there's nobody behind you. And you go, oh, okay, I'm a little bit out here. Jim's not that way. Jim's a doer. He gets things done. 
Well, what brings he, people along. Yeah, what he did get done, though, Bill, all the success he had with the whole youth of North Carolina. Yeah, I mean, summit, you know, the summit. Yeah, yeah it was that, a big deal. Let's talk about that because he's got another one coming up, Jim. Why don't you tell us about the one coming up? So let's talk about let's talk about last year. Let's talk about okay. the Youth Resilience Summit. So I, I came on, I came on to Youth of North Carolina, which you know, uh, Odell, I know you know that our audience out there may not know that. So Bill and Dory Goble founded Youth of North Carolina. It was a way for them to give back to the the community and really make a long lasting impact in the youth, not only in the Guilford County area, but, you know, across the state. You know, if they have one big passion, it's for, you know, improving the lives of the youth around the state. I was working in another field, in another career, helping them out. And, you know, Bill said, you know, we've worked together in the past. Would you consider coming to work at Youth in North Carolina? And as I did when I went to go work for the the Boy Scouts in the past, I said, I was like, absolutely, let's, let's do this. We can make a difference. Last year, 2022, was the first year for the Youth Resilience Summit, and we were blessed. It worked out fantastic. Beginning of November, it worked out to be a fantastic event impacting many people. And what this was, this is a a training conference where people that work with youth or volunteer with youth or listen, even people that care about youth, this is a conference for them to understand how adverse childhood experiences impact the youth today. What is adverse childhood experience? Because a lot of people may know, but obviously you're the expert here. So what does that mean, sir? I don't know if I'm the expert, but I'm definitely the guy that brings in the best in class people to help educate other people that care around the state. So adverse childhood experiences are potentially traumatic events that happen in someone's life. And you you break it down simply, if your parents get divorced, that's an adverse childhood experience. It's, it's one of many. If you know there's neglect in the family, or if there's child abuse, or if there's you know somebody with drug addiction or a mental health concern in the family, these are all potentially traumatic events. There's a test that you can take that we can give to our youth today that if you answer these questions and you have one to ten opportunities to mark off one of these adverse childhood experiences. And the higher the number, the more adverse childhood experiences and potentially traumatic events that have happened in your life, the harder it is to not only succeed as a young person, but the harder it is to grow up to be a well-developed adult. So this is science. This is science. So you have all the stuff behind it to prove it. Yeah. There's a movie called Resilience, I think. There is, yes. And uh, you can get it on YouTube. You have to pay for it. But it will give the science behind this where the brain is actually changed because of the trauma. Let me give you some of the 10 aces. Physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, physical neglect, emotional neglect, mental illness in the family, divorce in the family, substance abuse in the family, violence against your mother, mental illness, or having a relative who has been uh, incarcerated. Wow. If you have four or more of those, you have a 95% chance of having a major illness later on in life or major social issues such as drug abuse, alcoholism, or, or even incarceration. Wow. Odell, these items cause toxic stress. Now, we all have stress. It's not the same yeah. thing. It's not the same thing as you know having a report that's due and yeah. you're going down to the 11th hour getting it done. Been there, done that. Oh, yeah. I mean, we all have. And, you know, but this is- Sounds this like is, a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is 
This is toxic stress. This is something that, you know, it changes the composition of your brain. It it gets into your DNA and it it changes it and alters it. And it really impacts the outcome of your future. And it's not something that is like an on and off switch that you Mm. can see. It's very subtle and it goes over time. And, you know, you have people that you and I probably always know that carry a lot of hate or anger. Yes. Yes. I used to. I used to be that way. They get sick. Yeah, I used to be they that way. They get sick. They mm-hmm. get ulcers. They get cancers. They get hypertension. I mean, that stuff. And same thing with, since it's Memorial Day, we could talk about that. Soldiers that come back from combat. Post-traumatic stress syndrome. It's, you know, when I first heard that, I go, that's just, you need to buck it up and put your big boy pants. No, that's a real issue. Wait, wait a minute. Bucket up? Yeah. And what's bucket up me? Oh, that's a northern thing. You know <laughs> okay, <that>? no, no. <laughs> I'm still into y'all. I'm into y'all. <laughs> You get a bucket and you up it. <laughs> okay. You but, fill it up. But Bill, I, I think that what you're saying is really accurate. If you're not familiar with toxic stress or potentially traumatic events or adverse childhood experiences, then I think that's the mentality of it. You know, everybody goes through bad things, just suck it up. Yeah, but that's yeah. not the reality of what happens. I mean, so what? Men don't cry. Crazy. Men don't cry. That's that's crazy. You know, and to your is. point, that's not the reality. The good thing, though, the facts that you were sharing... All the successful summits, uh, well, I'm not going to name them for you. You have them. Tell me about the success you had last year. So last year, you know, as, a, as our first one, we had it at uh, Guilford Technical Community College, and uh, we hosted it there. We had a fantastic presenters that were involved, the best in class. As always, we invited everybody in the community to attend. In person, this was the success of it. In person, we ended up selling out. And then we also wow. had a, an online option where people were able to use Zoom and pick the presenters and the classes that they wanted to attend to learn something new one, whether it be impacting food insecurity or you know mental health in our youth today or whatever it was if they wanted to you know just pay attention to our keynote speaker who was Sharon Hirsch with Prevent Child Abuse North Carolina. I heard she's good. Fantastic. She, she's and, excellent. And I'll talk to you a little bit about her with our next summer coming up this year. We were able to offer that option online, and we ended up having over 154 people attending online. Wow. To us, that was fantastic because, you know, honestly, we didn't think we were going to have more than you know 10 or 15 people attending online. Yeah, in fact, you remember you sent me an email. It was what six weeks out? Yeah, we had how many people signed up? Six weeks out, I think we were somewhere around you know 20 people signed up. Yeah. yeah. So I'll give you an idea how it all came together. So it ended up blowing up. Um, and you know, one person told another person. And it was a unique model. Odell is a very unique model because we were able to offer a networking lunch where you didn't just go to the conference, but you were actually part of the conference. And wow. you were able to communicate and meet new people that you never met before, which was extremely popular. And people, they were contacting us to see when the next Youth Resilience Summit was. But, you know, you said something to me once. You said, is the juice worth the squeeze? And everything was inviting. But you said everything was inviting, almost like a speed bump. Explain that to me. Oh, by the way, now, you know, I failed the third and the fourth grade, right? I didn't know that. But now, you know. So, so, you know. I'm sure it's due to adverse childhood experiences. Probably. Yes, yes. I think we called it in those days uh, segregation. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's something I say quite often is the juice worth the squeeze. You know, when we're when we're putting an effort into something, we want to make sure that the return on investment is really, really good. If you're going to come and spend, you know, a half a day at a conference that I'm putting together, it is going to be worth your time. 
Otherwise, we wouldn't do it. We want this to be the best darn event that you'll ever attend. Darn? Okay. Best darn event. and buck up. Okay. Darn and buck up. We're okay. Get, we're getting very uh, <laughs> emotional. Yeah. Passionate. Yeah. Passionate. <laughs> darn. So okay. if you're going to take the time out of your schedule and to attend something that we're putting on, it's going to be a good event. The juice will definitely be worth the squeeze. Now, here's the, here's the thing about last year's summit. You know, when we got together with the committee and we were talking about how many people we think we're going to impact, somebody around the table said, you know what, if we could hit 10,000 people, we are doing fantastic. Odell, listen to this. Last year's summit, we impacted over 30,000 youth. Wow. When all the surveys wow. came back. And all the organizations that attended replied to the surveys. And we also, we went above and beyond with surveys. We got out there and we knocked on those doors and we visited the people that attended. And we wanted to see how what they learned at this summit wow. was going to impact wow. the people that they're working with. We ended up impacting over 30,000 youth. That's Unbelievable. A, that's a big number. That, that's a, that's a first huge time, number. For the first time. So, it, so it's interesting. And I'm going to step to the left a little bit, then I'm coming right back. So you're telling me Dory and Bill Gobo has been worrying about, caring about youth in so many other arenas for a long time. This whole thing of youth or school board caring youth, they're not new to this game. They're true to the game. Oh, absolutely. Listen, you have to have a servant's heart in order to stay in it as long as they have. I've known Bill since 2014. He was doing this way before I knew him. But you have to have a servant's heart to really care about the people that you're impacting. But you say everything's inviting. What does everything is inviting mean? Because that's kind of weird to me. Well, I think when you're when you're offering something to people, you you have to make it appealing. You have to really give them something. You have to have a good event at a great location. You have to give them customer service when they show up to make sure that they're having a good time and they feel comfortable. Okay, I got it. I got it. I got it. You have to offer the best in class programming and then give them a great meal to top it. Mm. And you do that, which also gives them the opportunity to learn something new that they can bring back to their office, bring back to their organization, bring back to their family and make an impact change. When are you going to do this again? With all the success of last year, over 30,000 kids, and I know you're very budget conscious. How did you, did you hit your budget numbers or how did all that work? Yeah. So right now, Youth of North Carolina is, you know, privately funded. You know, it's people that believe in the mission that contribute to the organization. Now, wow. we, we hope that in the future that there'll be some grant opportunities out there and there'll be some you know sponsorship app opportunities out there. And we hope that that will keep going way into the future. Is it a 501c3 nonprofit? And if it is, people will get a tax return on their donation. How do people donate or learn more about Youth in North Carolina? How do they do that? Oh, very easy. Just go to youthofnc.com. That's our website. That's the hub for all information. You can find you know, information on the 2023 Youth Resilience Summit. Wow. So the youth, the, the 2023 Youth Resilience Summit will be November 16th. And this year, guess where it's going to be? Greensboro? It's not going to be in Greensboro this year. We're going to see. We're that's gonna... why I failed the third and fourth grade, man. Y'all keep giving me these guests. You need to give me the question either true or false. That way I got 50 50 chance, my yeah, friend. 50 50. So this year, Odell, we're going to have it in Raleigh, Raleigh, North Carolina. NC State's going to be held at NC State on November 16th. Wow. The so, McKinnon Center. Is that how you pronounce it? Yes. Yeah. McKinnon Center. Okay. Well, I want to do over. I want, I want to. So ask me again, Odell, where is the 2023 summit going to be held? 
So we're going to go with true and false. Okay. So, <laughs> down. Is it true and false? Is it true or false that the you know, 2023 Youth Resilience Summit will be held at NC State on November 16th? True, 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 at true. What time? You are absolutely. Wait a minute now. You see a word time? That's a word question, Bill. Come on now. <laughs> oh boy, I love it. I love it. Day, right? There you go. There you go. So Odell. The thing is, we're going bigger this time. Okay. We're going to go bigger. We, we've we partnered with the Boys and Girls Club and the YMCA. Wow. Locally in Raleigh. Wow. So we're going we're gonna to go big time. And, you know, Sharon Hirsch, uh, the president and CEO of Prevent Child Abuse North Carolina, she's one of our co-chairs at this year's event. She was so impressed with what we did you know, the last time around. She's uh, asked Bill Goebel to be a board member. So Bill's an wow. active board member with the organization. And she is a co-chair. Uh, for the the Youth Resilience Summit this year. So can you say again, if someone like, listen, I think I like what I'm hearing, Odell. So if they want to learn more about it or if they want to talk to you, how do do they directly talk to you? You can go to the website at youthofnc.com and it has my contact information listed there on the website. It has the organization's contact information listed there. You could send out an email. There's resources available right there at the website, youthofnc.com. There's a, a lot of great information there. If you're looking for additional information on minimizing adverse childhood experiences in your community. Question though, Jim, why do you care? Why do you care? I mean, why do you care? Well, Odell, that's a great question. Thank you for asking. Because nobody ever asked why, you know, why any individual cares, right? To me, it's really easy because I look at the world around me. I listen to the news and I see people and I'm, I'm always visiting you know, different schools and I, you know, I'm still involved in scouting and I visit different scout units and I see, I see the kids mm. and I look in their eyes and I, I could tell that's, that's our nation's future. You know, that's my future. I'm going to be, you know, know, I'm going to be retiring someday and, and leaving this world to somebody else, just as all of us will and the people listening will. And, you know, the children are our future. And, and when you ask me why I care, you know, there's so many God given opportunities that I've had that, you know, have pointed me in this direction. And listen, if you're out there and you're listening to this and you see the kids in your neighborhood, just think that they are your future. And when you ask me why I care, I think to I think back to, you know, when I was in the construction industry and I would have 17-year-old kids come to me who have dropped out of high school and they're looking for a job. And you know, I was you know, we did painting and finishes, right? And so they were like, Oh, I'm gonna go and be a painter. And they would come and it would be difficult for them to get up in the morning and get to work. And you know, and when they got their paycheck on Friday, they were broke by Monday. And these kids that were hired on with me at 17 years old were dead by the time they were 30 or 35. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, King Asabi. What did you say? These kids, you know, these kids personally, these are kids with dreams and ambitions. And you said, but Odell, I would have to go to their funeral. I heard about them dying. Yeah. There was one young man who is late 30s. He's in his late thirties now, but you know, I went to his funeral last December, and you know, his name is uh, Gordon Fortner. I met Gordon. He was a dropout. Of, he dropped out of high school, and he came and you know, worked with me for a period of time. And the kid had struggles, and I've known him all these years. You know, he ended up moving to New Orleans, and he became a a wrecker 
he drove a wrecker after Katrina and you know he had a family there and they were a blended they were a blended family beautiful kids knew the kids growing up have wow. been have been to different activities and functions that they had when they were younger and he passed away he passed away in his sleep in December mm. and he called me like 3 or 4 weeks before that and he's like I have an idea you know, I want to do something. Can you sit down with me and talk about this idea? Wow. I think this is something that will you know, help my family out just a few weeks earlier. Then I got a phone call from his brother who you know, did some work for me. Um, his brother's name is Eugene. And, you know, he did some work for me as well. And he was younger and told me that Gordon passed away. Mm. It was so sad. Mm. And, you know, and looking back at it now, it's from adverse childhood experiences. 100%. I can honestly look at that, that list that Bill read to you earlier and I can clock off a lot of those items. And he was probably up there in eight or nine different wow. items on that list. And knowing what I know now, why I care is because I could have, knowing this years ago, I could have saved his life. Mm. Could have wow. helped him out. Wow, that's powerful. You know, maybe with the Youth Resilience Summit and the work that we do in Youth of North Carolina, maybe we can save some people's lives, make them make the world a little bit better than when we got here. I'm more resilient, Bill. Bill, why do you care? I found that uh, God's put it on my heart for kids. And, uh, you know, I was 16 years as a small group leader. I'd, uh, young men in ninth grade would come into my small group and we'd keep them until 12th grade till they graduated. You know, you've said that before to our audience. What, what is a small group? Because some people, some culture may understand, but I never really heard that term until I started getting around white folks, small groups and stuff like that, and executive pastors and all that. What does small group really yeah, mean? Yeah, you know, I, I agree. I, I didn't know about it until I got involved in the religion, church. Okay. Uh, you know, small group, okay, it's two guys, I guess, you know. A big group is three, you know, I, I didn't know. And uh, But basically, it's just a term where a group of people, could be men or women or mixed, get together. And it's maybe 12 or less. And they get together and they fellowship and they might study the Bible, uh, might study the Quran, okay. you know, any number of things. And they develop relationships that are lifelong wow. and they share their experience. So the rules, there are rules for a small group. Okay. The rule is this is a safe place. You can share anything you want and it stays in the small group. The only option that would change that is for the small group leader. If someone is being abused, okay, then you have to report that. Gotcha. And, gotcha. Uh, but you know, I've had kids that announced they were gay and hadn't told their parents yet on it. And uh, I've married a couple of them, probably five of them. Okay. It's kind of like a Boy Scout patrol with a religious twist to it. So, Bill, you a licensed minister? Well, on. Um, Ministers.com, yes. Okay. <laughs> come on, Bill. Come on now. Oh, ministers. So you married them because the marriage was more like, well, I, I don't even know. You explain that. Well, it, some of the marriages were huge. I mean, hundreds of people. Wow. A couple of them were, one was in the woods uh, with 12 people. It's just different groups. You know, it's interesting you would say that. And without talking, calling the person name, I got a call or email or text the other day from someone who I know well. And he said, do you do elopement? And I'm like, wait a minute, you know, and I'm like elopement. And I reached out to him like, and he was serious. So people come to people who they trust, you know, they do 
who they trust. You know, yeah, yeah. Have you ever done an elopement? That's what the text said. And I'm like, okay, um, okay. You know, it's interesting. And I'll talk to get a better understanding. But you know, so the question was, are you there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet, Jim? Are we there yet, Bill? Are we there yet, Odell? Are we there yet toward resilience and to everything that we're dealing with. Yes, successful summit last time, 30,000 kids. The November summit is coming up. But are we there yet? Our family's getting stronger, Bill. Our family's getting stronger, Jim. Our family's getting stronger, Odell. Our families are getting weaker. What's going on with our family unit? I think that people are people. And you know you have to have a desire and a willingness to make a change in your life. There's a lot of stories out there of people that have, you know, picked themselves up by their bootstraps and have done great things, right? And there's also stories of people that no matter what they did, they couldn't get a break and, you know, they were the not so great outcome to, to their their life story, right? So people are people. It doesn't make a difference, you know, if you're, you know, black or if you're white or if you're a Republican, if you're Democrat, if you're straight, if you're gay, if you're a teacher or if you're a politician or, you know, if you're the garbage man that's picking up, you know, garbage in somebody's community. People are people and you have to have a willingness to make a difference in the planet that you live in and into other people's lives. Jim, how do you find common ground with people are people? We all, I believe that we all have our own degree of bias, prejudice, and stereotypes, and we all have our different flavors. Some may like chocolate, some may like vanilla, some may like strawberry. You know, Bill, I broke down the other day, Bill. Uh -oh. I broke down what and happened? I had a Wendy's Frosty. How was that? Oh, my God. Was good, I haven't huh? had a Wendy Frosty <laughs> in so long since I've been watching when I ate. I got confused. Did you get the big size? or No, I got the small okay, size, but I got you. stuck, Bill. I got stuck between the difference between strawberry and chocolate. Uh-oh. Jim, I, I just, I just, and my wife was sitting there. So I went back and forth in my mind, strawberry and chocolate. And I said, give me the, give me the chocolate. You know, the black guy got to go with yeah. chocolate. You know, that's the <laughs> default. And then they gave me a straw. And I, and I was confused because I haven't done it so long. It's like nobody eats a Wendy Frosty with a straw. You eat a Wendy Frosty with a spoon, y'all. You got that right. You got that right. And then you get the brain freeze. I guess. So other than Odell going off on the windy frosty, but I just had to share that because this the weight loss has been so successful and I'm still there, but it's almost like we all have our moments and there's nothing wrong with it, but it brings it to the point that people are people. And if you see Odell eat a frosty, you're like, well, I thought you didn't eat frosties. No, I didn't say that. I said, I watch what I eat. So you may see Odell and Odell may not be doing something that you think is appropriate. Do you throw Odell to the wolves then? Do you still care for Odell? Is Odell still resilient? Because if people have to be perfect, then Jim, how can we find common ground when the truth of the matter is if we put a mirror up to ourselves, we're not perfect because sometimes we live behind facades. We live with a mask. And what's so hard about us being transparent with each other? So Odell, you're absolutely right. None of us are perfect. And we all have, we all have flaws. We're all flawed individuals, right? I think how we find common ground is keeping our mouth shut. Wow. And then listening to other people more than you talk. And kind of, you know, taking that in. Because maybe you learn something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think you learn something all the time from listening. It's funny. I, I was criticized uh, by the Republicans when I would go to Republicans. You? You yeah. criticize? Yeah. Being criticized? It happens. You know, <laughs> stuff happens. It's what I do. And uh, so... They were saying, you're so quiet. You, never, you didn't ask any questions. You didn't interact. And I said, 
Well, it's because I was learning. I was observing what's going on, who's taking care of what. Hey, before we get off on this, I want you to close this podcast. I want you to talk about the uh, Chief Justice Paul Newby Initiative for Resilience Court. Can you explain that? Because you're on the task force as I am. I am. So uh, Chief Justice Paul Newby has asked both of us to be youth development experts on his ACES Informed Task Force. Uh, We are advisors. It's a task force that is for the court system. Wow. So it's a task force for the the attorneys that are involved in prosecuting as well as the judges that sit on the, the bench. And it's to come up with a, a system that they can use to understand adverse childhood experiences when individuals are coming into their, their courtroom. And it's a two-year task force that will end December 31st of this year. And uh, they have quarterly meetings. They do different research on adverse child experiences, trying to kind of collaborate around the state with what's needed in these courts. And they do some role-playing opportunities where if somebody's coming into your court, you know, how would you respond to that particular situation? And they talk about different best practices on how they can be more collaborative to the different groups that are coming in to help with the court. So, you know, they have it so the the prosecutors will work with the defending attorneys much better than if they were just saying, well, my thing is my thing and your thing is your thing. They would come in there and if there was somebody, for an example, if there was um, an attorney that had a client that was running late to a court hearing and the judge said, well, you know, where is Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so? that the defending attorney could say, oh, my client is running late. And instead of just throwing them off the docket, wow. you know, the, the judge may say, well, what's the reason that they're running late? And the the attorney could tell them, oh, they went to the wrong court. It's not that they didn't care. They do care. They went to the wrong building. They'll be here in the next 15 minutes. And the judge could be more informed on how to better serve that client. You know, we don't hear about stuff like this. We always hear about the bad stuff. I know. We don't I hear know. about the good stuff just going. I know. This is uh this is good stuff. Well, we're gonna wrap it up here, Jimmy. You get the last word. Is there something you want to share? Absolutely. So you know, I wanna make sure that people that are out there, you know, listening in common ground land, they really think about their neighbor and they think about the youth that are in their communities. It doesn't have to be North Carolina, it could be California or somewhere in you know Switzerland or Sweden that they're listening to this podcast. But just look around, look around your neighborhood and take other people into consideration and just look at them as people. And I think that's a good way that we can all find common ground. If you happen to be in the Raleigh area on November 16th, please attend the Youth Resilience Summit. And to get more information, visit us at youthofnc.com today. Well, how much does it cost? And what happens if I want to come, but I, I just don't have the money? Hey, listen, if you want to, if you want to attend, you know, the, the cost to attend currently is, you know, $45 for each person. That's it? $45. Are you going to feed me? And I'm going to feed you. Yes. Oh, man. I and can't you're even... going to get materials to take home with I you. I can't go to Red Lobster for $45, no, man. No, you can't. And we're going to give you materials to take home that will impact your community. It is well worth the cost. Now, if there is a generous donor that is listening to this and they want to underwrite the cost of people to attend, please contact us at youthofnc.com. We'd love to talk to you about it. We want to make sure that the funding is not a barrier for anybody to attend. So if you if this is something that you want to come and be part of, reach out to us. We will make that happen. 
Thank you, Jim, for being a guest as always. And uh, I value our friendship. And one thing he didn't share is both his kids are going to be Eagle Scouts. They're working on it. Wow. Yeah. One is right at the back doorstep of uh, you know, being Eagle. They will have their board of review in the next few weeks from this podcast. Well, look at this big old smile on your face. So we say, are we there yet? For some things we're not, but God has blessed you with opportunity for that, that you, for whatever reason, didn't get. Your sons will get that. How does that feel? That's right. My, my son and my daughter. Yeah. Oh, your son and your daughter. Excuse me. That's right. Yeah. That's right, Odell. Get with it, program. Get with <laughs> it, bro, man. That now girls, females are eagles. Did we yeah. say eagle scouts? Help me make sure I'm Absolutely. pronouncing it right. Yes. My oh. my daughter, Royce, uh, she is a superstar. And, you know, I, I'm sure that she would probably make a great guest in the podcast at some, you know, at some yeah, point. Yeah, that's a great guy. Because uh, yeah, she is a wonderful public speaker and an all-around great advocate for young people today. Now, she she get it from a mother or from a father? She doesn't get it from me. <laughs> You know, she doesn't get it from me. She She's definitely got her talents from her mom. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Well, again, Jim, thanks for being with us. Thank you. Bill, as you know, our friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of their life. He didn't stop by simply creating the best pillow. Mike created the best bed sheets ever. They look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep for me, which is crucial for my busy schedule. Odell, you know, Mike's making a special offer on these Giza sheets to our listeners. You can get this set of Giza sheets for as low as $29.98. You know, the first night I slept on these sheets, man, I'll never sleep on anything else again. Mike is making a special offer for our listeners? Yes. They can get the sheets, the Giza sheets, for as low as $29.98? Yeah, that's right. Our listeners are the only ones that can get that. And the way they do that is they can get it a number of ways. One is you can call 1-800-238-7281. That's 800-238-7281. And use the promo code COMMON. Or you can go to MyPillow.com and use the promo code COMMON. That number again is 1-800-238-7281. And remember, use the promo code COMMON, C-O-M-M-O-N. Thank you so much for your support. Find Bill and Odell online at thecommonground.show. This podcast is a production of BG Ad Group. All rights reserved. This podcast is brought to you by Yes Weekly, the triad's largest circulated and best read weekly magazine. You can also find us online at yesweekly.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yes Weekly, your trusted news leader for local arts, entertainment, music, food, and more for nearly 18 years. Whether you're a big, medium, or small business, managing and growing the bottom line is important. Focus CFO brings the experience and financial acumen of a Fortune 100 Chief Financial Officer to your company at a fraction of the cost. PL help, internal reporting processes, or any business transitions or events. Focus CFO will help you and your team have a CFO in your company's back pocket. Focus CFO. Learn more at focuscfo.com.